0: last week on the Joe's on the Pros podcast. Cleveland Browns have a little bit of a rough start uh, you know some fans are going to get antsy and they're going to be like wow you know that's a waste of talent. With a squad like
1: that you got to be able to make to the playoffs. How many yards do you guys think Lamar's going to run for this year? I think
0: that he's going to run all over the place because he's going to have to. I- I'm going to have to go five, 600
1: at most. The Patriots are going to dominate. I think the Patriots had 12 draft picks
0: this last draft and I think that they are more athletic this season. I think they're you are now tuning in to the joes on the pros podcast with your host judy riddle and casey warner covering all the latest topics in today's sports what is going on Welcome back to the Joes on the Pros podcast. I'm here with Casey Warner and I'm Jimmy Riddle. We're your average Joes giving our takes on professional sports in all aspects of sports. Uh, This week we are covering everything that happened week one of the NFL. It was a great weekend of football. It was great to be back on the couch watching Sunday games. It is like a holiday for Casey and I. And I got to say it was great, Casey. How did it feel to, to have
1: football back? I tell you what, man, we watched games from the 1 o'clock Eastern Time games all the way down to the Sunday night 8.20 Eastern Time games. It was a great day of football. A lot of people at our house of fans that have big teams that had big wins, some big losses, a great day of football overall, though, and I can't wait to get into this weekend's football that we are going to talk about. Absolutely, and the first thing we are going to get started with was breaking news on Saturday
0: while we were actually watching college football was Antonio Brown being released by the Raiders in the morning, and not even two hours later, being signed by the New England Patriots, I got to say, uh, especially after their showing, even though all, even though Brown did not dress or play on Sunday, the New England Patriots absolutely decimated my Pittsburgh Steelers 33-3 on all levels of the game. Special teams, defense, offense. This Patriots defense looked like the best defense I've seen since their 2007 16-0 regular season and Tom Brady looks like he hasn't aged an inch. Casey, I gotta hear what you think You know, from what happened in that game against the Steelers with the Patriots.
1: Well, you know, building up to that game, there was obviously a rivalry going on in our house with you and Jack being the Patriots in the Steelers fans that you are so I was pretty excited just to see that in itself but as the game progressed we could easily see that the Patriots are for real again this year. Brady and Belichick are back as usual, and they are back for another ring indeed. That was their 14th straight regular season W at home. That's impressive, Junie. That is an impressive streak right there. That is the longest home winning streak in the NFL right now. Huge win for them against the Steelers team that I thought would bring a little bit more to the table, but overall the Patriots just look dominant. And I got to go into this as well, because it just seems like
0: the depth of the Patriots is what's really going to carry them this season. We got we got to look at their we got to look at this roster at running back. They got Rex Burkhead, James White, Sony Michelle at wide receiver. They got Philip Dorsett, who had a huge game against the Steelers. Josh Gordon, who looked like a deep threat as well. And then Julian Edelman just always being that, you know, go to guy for Tom Brady in the slot and in those key moments. And then with adding Antonio Brown into the mix, man, I can't even tell you how good this this team is going. to to be, especially with, with all three levels of their defense, that they are just stacked all over the place. And going back to Antonio Brown, I don't think I've heard anybody say this, uh, but I feel like Antonio Brown is like the perfect mixture for Tom Brady with Wes Welker and Randy Moss. He has the talent of Randy Moss. He has the flash of Randy Moss, but then he has that consistency, that that small man, that, that guy that can play the slot, that guy uh, that can play on the outside. And I just don't see right now anybody beating
1: them or anybody being in front of them for contention. Obviously, a lot of drama comes with Antonio Brown, but sure enough, there's a lot of talent there that they're excited about, and a lot of other people are interested to see, too. So we'll have to see how Antonio Brown reacts with that offense, with Bill Belichick, with Tom Brady. Tom Brady had a great game the other night. 341 yards, three touchdowns for Tom Brady. Didn't skip a beat Sunday. Looked just as good as his old self. He's just ageless out there, man. I don't know how he does it. He was hitting all his throws, very few bad throws on Tom Brady's part on that on Sunday night, and it was just a very impressive game for the offense in general. You mentioned Philip Dorsett; he had a great game—ninety-five yards, two touchdowns—for a guy that we didn't think was going to have a huge impact overall on offense. He looked like a great addition in the wide receiver core. Other than that, the Patriots very efficient, no turnovers, thirty-two twenty-seven time of possession. So they didn't even have that much more time of possession. They were just really efficient and just really showed that they can score on anybody against the Steelers' defense, that I think is going to improve as the year goes on. And that's what I was saying earlier too to you Casey
0: was that this is the first game for the Steelers it's obviously a brand new look for them uh, getting rid of Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell coming into the season obviously the offense is going to need more game time experience in order for them to get going because I mean James Conner last year he put up great numbers and on Sunday he only had 10 carries for 21 yards that's very unlike him also Juju Smith Schuster had an okay game with six receptions, 78 yards. But i tell you what the big thing that really hurt the Steelers was on Sunday night was the loss of Sean Davis, their starting safety. And they actually had to put Cameron Kelly in who they picked out of the AAFL. Wow. So Tom Brady really abused him in second year safety coming out of Virginia Tech, uh, Terrell Edmonds. He just really picked them apart deep. And that is really kind of why Philip Dorsett just went off in that game. And it it really, it was really painful for me to watch because, you know, I, I am a huge Steelers fan, and I thought that they were going to lose, um, but I just didn't see that kind of game. Ben Roethlisberger missing some of those passes. Uh, Dante Moncrief dropping five passes.
1: Dante Goodness. Moncrief,
0: you're in the NFL. You cannot drop five Can passes it. in Gillette Stadium on opening night against the defending Super Bowl champions. You're not going to go out with a win like that,
1: guys. I tell you what the Patriots looked very very good on Sunday but let's talk about the Steelers a little bit a team that a lot of people thought would bring more to the table like I said in a game like that prime time I know you certainly thought that they would bring more to the table so what where can this what can the Steelers build off of here and where do you think they go from here overall just with a defeat like that you know the Patriots are expected to kind of win games like that at home like I said 14 game home winning streak but you know the Steelers I think they're going to be pretty successful this year and where do you think they go from here um I
0: had I already had them losing this game obviously the detriment of the loss I did not predict that they would lose that bad but you know it's they can only go up from here you know you you get a bad break. You're playing the defending Super Bowl champions week one. Um, I think they need to get the running game going. I think the offensive line uh, needs to get going a little better. You know, pro football focus had them ranked as the number one offensive line coming into this season. And it really didn't look like that. They need to get the running game going. Uh, that way it sets up the play action. So some of these younger receivers can get some more open looks, some more experience uh, because Juju Smith Schuster is only 22 years old. He's only about three weeks older than I am. And, he's out here trying to be the leading receiver on supposedly one of the best offenses in the league. And, you know, like on the defensive side, we lost TJ Watt, You know, to a a hip injury and then also Joe Hayden as well uh, went out in the game with an injury as well so you know those two guys are probably two of our best defenders on that side of the ball and they didn't really uh, get to play majority of the game and then also when you look at uh, Mark Barron, Mark Barron was kind of a disappointment to me as well. He was. Uh, He was a signing that I thought he was going to be a very versatile, very speedy linebacker that we could use and he just did not perform up to par and then also the, the Patriots kind of abused Devin Bush a little bit. Devin Bush had 11 tackles which is great for his opening game but some of those reads and especially like I said them throwing it into that flat area they just could not cover that and when they did Brady was beating those inexperienced safeties uh, down the field with those long passes to Dorsett so obviously they're going to watch the film they're going to start from the ground up and they're going to work their way up this team has too much talent to be over so people saying that they're out on the Steelers Pump the brakes a little bit. They're going to be okay, but this is obviously an eye-opener that they need to look at for the remainder of the season.
1: I agree, I agree. The Patriots are a team that don't take many early season losses. They're very successful early on in the year, usually a hot start for them, and they definitely have showed this year that they are a force to be reckoned with again. Now we mentioned Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is the big topic here, and I'd say before we end this segment, what what kind of are your thoughts on how he's going to fit in to this offense? Because I think he'll fit in very nicely if they use him correctly and they can kind of tone down his attitude. I think that's the biggest question. I've heard a lot of reports today coming out that don't sound very pleasing don't sound very good for him Uh, we'll see how he fits in overall I think Belichick is really going to have to deal with his personality if he wants him to fit in well I think next week he's really going to be he's really going to be challenged to get receptions just because he's not used to the chemistry you know with Brady like Edelman has over the years or like Philip Dorsett has now for the first game so I think he's really going to face challenges early on but overall how do you think he's going to fit in? I think if he learns to behave and shut his mouth and quit
0: doing all these antics, I think that he is going to be the absolute perfect fit for this New England Patriots offense. My thing is, is I don't think that he is going to adapt the Patriot way. I really think that he is going to cause problems, and I don't think at all that Bill Belichick is going to put up with that at all. I think as soon as he does something that's going to wreck the locker room or cause controversy or anything, they're out on him. They're only paying him nine million dollars this season. They have plenty of plenty of cap space. They this is literally no way the Patriots can lose on this. If they get rid of him, if he acts up, fine. They didn't they didn't give up anything for him. Like, there's nothing, there's no risk in this. It's all reward. And if he acts up, he's gone. So I think that he can fit in seamlessly. I don't think that he finishes the season there in New England. I just don't see it. Literally, after he signs his contract, he's already posting something on Instagram of him uh, as a cartoon and money flowing saying the Patriot way. If you think Bill Belichick is going to put up with stuff like that for the, you know, the duration of the season,
1: then you're crazy. We're certainly all hoping the defending Super Bowl champions don't make it back. Most of us that aren't Patriots fans, that is. And we're all hoping that Antonio Brown can stay on a team once and for all this season. He's been on two now.
0: All right, Casey, enough talking about those New England Patriots. Let's get into those Dallas Cowboys. I know the Cowboys aren't a team that either of you are fond of, but it, you know, needless to say, they looked pretty impressive on both sides of the ball on Sunday against the New York Giants. Dak Prescott had a career game. 25 for 32 on passing attempts for 405 yards, four touchdowns, and zero. And I said, let me repeat that again to guys zero interceptions. He absolutely went off. Zeke only got 13 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown. And it just seemed like all the new receiving weapons when it came to Michael Gallup and then, you know, the return of Amari Cooper, it just seems like that Dallas offense looked almost unstoppable on Sunday. Casey, what did you think of the Dallas Cowboys?
1: Are they contenders this year? Are they really that good? They're definitely contenders, Judy. And let me just tell you, I think they're contenders simply for the fact they added a few more weapons and got more experience on offense. And I think that's crucial for a guy like Dak Prescott. He wants to get that new contract. Everyone thinks he's going to get it here soon based off of that last game. He had some good receivers the other day. He had Michael Gallup go for 158 yards. That's incredible. He didn't have a huge impact last year, but certainly is looking to have a bigger one this year. Great game for him. Amari Cooper, you discussed, he had 100 yards and a touchdown. That's great. He's their number one guy. You want to see production like that from a number one guy every game. Randall Cobb, that's proved to be a great signing so far. He had a touchdown as well as 50 or 60 yards in the air. That's a great day for Randall Cobb, who didn't have a great season last year with the Packers. He's looking to bounce back. And Jason Witten even had a touchdown. He's in his franchise record 16th season for Dallas. That is a big season for him. He's looking to have a great bounce back year with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are definitely contenders. They just signed Zeke. They're about to sign Dak Prescott like everybody suspects, and I really think this team showed promise on offense Sunday, and that's what they really needed to show to get back at it this year. And I think the defense also looked great as well on all three levels.
0: The Dallas Cowboys are another team that can really get after the ball, and they also have playmakers at the linebacker and then the secondary positions that can really, you know, create plays and disruptions for opposing offenses. So I think, yes, I think the Dallas Cowboys are a little bit better than what I had personally anticipated just because like coming in, I thought they were going to be about a nine and seven team. I thought they were going to be average, barely missing the playoffs this year, but now looking at the way they played against New York, I don't know if it's New York's defense or not, but they looked really impressive. They look sharp. I've never seen Dak Prescott look as poised in the pocket as he did on Sunday. And I got I got to say it. I, I, dislike the cowboys more than any nfl franchise but i gotta say they are definitely going to be in the running with the eagles to take the
1: nfc east this season i tell you what they look pretty good Now the Cowboys, they did play a Giants team that was not successful last year. A team that's kind of transitioning with Daniel Jones being a first round draft pick this year. Eli Manning got most of the snaps in that first game. They put Daniel Jones in at the end just to give him a little bit of experience. But not that good of a Giants team overall. Overreaction Monday, you know we always tend to overreact about teams that have great showings on the first game. I'm all in for the Cowboys. I think they're going to be better this year and I think they might even make the playoffs. But I think this first game we need not put too much into. Dak Prescott Scott did look great, but against a Giants defense that's been pretty porous the last few seasons, so I don't think you can play too much into that overall. Great numbers. Great to see that from Dak. I think he's going to get a contract here soon, but overall, they don't have a great strength of schedule to start out the year. They play at Washington next week. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't see the Giants doing as well as I had predicted they would.
0: I thought they'd be about a 7-9 and team. Uh, barely... Missing that 500 mark on the year. Uh, But, yeah, no, that defense looks abysmal, uh, Casey. i tell you what. Eli Manning, though, didn't have that bad of a game. He threw for, you know, 30 of 44 on pass completions, which is pretty solid. And he had 306 yards and no interceptions. So it really looked like Eli Manning really wasn't a problem. And Saquon Barkley also having 120 yards on the ground. He also had a great game as well and in the passing game. So, I don't know. Maybe it's that Giants defense. But here coming up next, guys, we are going to take a quick break. Are the Browns overhyped? Are they overhyped? Are they overrated? It really seemed like it this Sunday. We are going to get to everything with Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, and the guys in Cleveland when we come back. down from the
1: gallows, and I don't have long. We are back here at the Joes on the Pros podcast. We had just discussed the Cowboys maybe being big time contenders this year. They had in week one, but a team that did not have a big time performance in week one was the Cleveland Browns. I think a lot of people thought they were going to be big time contenders this year. They did not show that in week one, a 43 to 13 loss against the Titans. That's a 30 point loss for the Browns. I don't think anyone expected that to open the year with them and they may just be. Overhyped, Junie. What do you think? I definitely think that the Browns were
0: overhyped in this offseason. A lot of people looked at their roster and was like, Wow, these guys are super stacked. I don't understand it, Casey. People just like to jump to conclusions when, you know, teams get a conglomerate of talent. This is not the NBA. One or two superstars aren't just going to turn your franchise around and just make you automatic Super Bowl contenders. The Browns traded a key player, and that is Kevin Zettler, which is their second-best offensive lineman that they had from last season. And it showed. Baker Mayfield was under duress all game yesterday. He threw for uh, only 285 yards, and he had... Three interceptions, two of those which were pick sixes. He also had a safety as well. He did not look good. His pocket presence wasn't great. He was under duress. um, And it just didn't seem like he was playing up to the magnitude that he, like the hype that he had coming into the season um, it He didn't he didn't live up to it and the Browns didn't either the defense didn't look great uh, They have a bunch of studs on there I think that they'll get better as the season came along, but I said last week I said the Browns are going to have a pretty solid season But they are going to have a really rough start getting this going and it showed against Tennessee Who's a pretty veteran team has a great defense and Marcus Mariota actually had a
1: pretty solid game yesterday I tell you what the Browns have two eye-opening stats based off this past weekend, and those two eye-opening stats are they had 18 penalties for a total of 182 yards. I don't think any team can win a game when they have that many penalties. Along with two pick sixes and a safety? I don't think so either, Casey. Nobody can climb out of that hole, certainly, but the other stat is, this is a crazy stat, and you probably would expect this with the Browns' struggles they've had in recent years. They are 1-19-1 in openers since 1999. That is, not good to way, that is not a good way to start the season. Certainly not the way you want to kick things off, especially with all the hype surrounding all that talent. We didn't see a lot of that talent come into fruition on Sunday. Odell Beckham had a decent game. Baker Mayfield certainly did not have a great game, and we didn't even get to see any of the, any of the running backs really make any impact, and the defense certainly had no impact giving up 43 points.
0: No, the Browns as a team total only had 102 rushing yards in the game, which for the talent that they have is, is pretty bad, but I'll tell you who did have a very good game was Derrick Henry he had 84 yards and a touchdown on the ground and to go along with that he had 75 yards receiving and a touchdown as well their rookie AJ Brown had only 3 receptions for 100 yards as well and Delaney Walker added with that with 55 yards and 2 receiving touchdowns so that Titan offense really looked like it's pretty well balanced and that they have a lot of good weapons and Marcus Mariota looked pretty sharp we said last week that you know this is his year this is the Titans deciding year on whether they're going to move forward with Marcus Mariota or they're going to move away from Marcus Mariota coming into the 2020 draft. So I don't know if he keeps playing like this, you know, last year he had spurts of where he looked good and then where he, where he looked bad. And then obviously he ended the season on an injury, but if he can keep this up, I think that he might be able to keep that Titans
1: job down there in Nashville. It's certainly encouraging to see stats like that from Marcus Mariota. He was 3-0 and touchdown-to-interception ratio on Sunday. That's great. You don't want to see any of those picks from a guy that you've been seeing quite a few turnovers from the last few years. Certainly encouraging to see him healthy and out there on the field performing like that. Now, the Titans are a team that have been up and down over the last couple of years. The Titans are looking to get back to the playoffs this year, looking for good, solid quarterback play. Do you think this was a great, defining win for Mike Vrabel? I think it was. I
0: think it's something that Tennessee really needed to boost their confidence with. Going to the Steelers-Titans preseason game uh, this season, I really saw that a lot of these fans have hype for this team. And now that Andrew Luck is out of the mix and the Colts don't seem to be as big of a threat, I really think that if the Tennessee Titans are going to play this well, what we saw from Houston, I think it's going to be kind of a two-headed monster, especially with Foles being injured, uh, to see who's going to win this AFC South. So, With that being said, yeah, I think this is a huge confidence booster for Mike
1: Rabel and the Titans. The Titans certainly had great defensive play out there, giving up only 13 points to a Browns offense that is supposed to be high-powered this year. They certainly didn't look high-powered against that Titans defense. Ran by Mike Vrabel. Now, other than that defense, though, let's go into the Browns. The Browns are supposed to be a hype team coming into this year. Everyone thinks they're going to win the AFC North. And they come out and they lose by 30 points on opening day. They got a game next week at the Jets on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a huge game. Huge, hopeful bounce back for the Browns. Going into a Jets game at Jets. The Jets have higher expectations this year and didn't look too bad. Definitely not defensively this past Sunday. What do you think about that game? I think that it's going to be a defining moment for the season. I think that the Browns should
0: be able to win this game because I think that the experience on the Tennessee defense has a lot more experience than what the New York Jets have. Hopefully, the Browns can get it done. Um, Personally, I think that they will, but that Jets defense is young, they're hungry, and they're ready for a win. So we're just going to have to see on that one. That's going to be a great
1: matchup going into next week for Week 2. I certainly hope that the Browns cannot start out 0-2. I personally had them at 10-6 and in my predictions, and with an 0-2 start, I don't think that would be the right direction at all for a 10-6 and team. I certainly think that they may still end up in the playoffs, but if you go 0-2, that's a hard hole to climb out.
0: Yeah, but with with the amount of help that they have on defense, like, you know, Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Demarcus Randall, Sheldon Richardson, like they have studs on that defense. And I think that defense is really going to help them, you know, later on the season. And obviously, you know, the chemistry with Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry with Baker is only going to improve more and more throughout the season. With that being said, guys, let's get to the next topic we have, and that is going to be on how good are the Philadelphia Eagles? You know, starting off the game, they were down 17 to nothing to the Washington Redskins. Uh, Case Keenum had an excellent game with 380 yards passing and three touchdowns, but the Eagles rallied back and won that game. Uh, Carson Wentz really started off a little bit slow, and so did that Eagles' offense and defense to go along with that. And that's why they were in such a hole, but they did climb back. They did win that game, and they looked pretty impressive uh, starting in there in the second half. So, Casey, what do you think about the Eagles? How Good are the
1: Philadelphia Eagles right now? First of all, let me just say this game was a rare game in that the turnover ratio was zero to zero. Neither team had any turnovers in this game, and that's very eye popping because you see in a game where the Redskins started out 17 to nothing, they were up 17 to nothing in the second quarter, and you would think. To have a traumatic breakdown like that and still lose the game in the end, you would have to turn the ball over. But no, just a clean cut, good football game out there Sunday. One of the better games definitely on the schedule Sunday. And I think, like I said in my predictions last episode, if Carson Wentz is healthy, this Eagles team can be elite. They can certainly compete with the Saints, I think, certainly compete with the Rams and anybody in that division. I think when Carson Wentz is healthy, nobody can touch them in that division. Now, with that being said, I think Dallas might be able to touch them after that week one performance they keep that up. But Carson Wentz looked really good out there on Sunday. I agree with you, Casey. Personally, I think they obviously
0: started off slow, but Deshaun Jackson, How about Deshaun Jackson coming back to Philadelphia, getting eight receptions, 154 yards, and two touchdowns? Obviously, both of those touchdowns were super long bombs, like he looked flashy, he looked fast as ever, he looked young. It looked like Deshaun Jackson back in the day when he was playing there with Donovan McNabb and and Michael Vick. He looked... Excellent. Uh, Going along with that, Alshon Jeffrey got 49 yards and a touchdown, and he also had a rushing touchdown, so he had two TDs as well. Uh, Once that Philly offense went going, Darren Sproles and Jordan Howard, two backs of different calibers. Obviously, you know Darren Sproles is kind of going to be your third down back, and Jordan Howard coming from Chicago looked pretty good as well. So I think that the Philadelphia Eagles have a great chance to be elite this year, and I have them favored in the NFC East. But it is going to be a great competition between them in Dallas for
1: the NFC East. On the other side of the game though, the Redskins, they certainly looked like they had a decently promising offense all game. Case Keenum, like you said, 380 yards and three touchdowns. I don't think anybody expected that from him opening the, the year like that. There's certainly a lot of question marks on that Redskins offense and Case Keenum did not perform too well with the Broncos last year. They obviously traded him away for Joe Flacco. So what do you think this year is ultimately where Case Keenum and the Redskins end up in their their pursuit of the NFC East. Well, I think
0: Case Keenum has a great argument for keeping the starting job this season. Um... I just don't see the talent on the Redskins. Obviously, the Eagles came out with a shaky start. I think that was more on them than it was the Redskins' defense kind of holding that offense. Um, That defense just really doesn't have the talent, and I don't see them getting many wins. This is a divisional matchup, and usually when we get divisional matchups, even if the team, like the Redskins, are a lot less talented than a team like the Eagles, they typically stay um, fairly close just because they're so familiar with each other. The coaches know each other's tendencies and the players have played against each other so much. So obviously, there's going to be some recognition there, and I think that that's kind of why they played so well. But yeah, Case Keenum coming out the gate looked a lot
1: better in that first game with the Redskins than he did all last year with the Denver Broncos. Now, notables for the Redskins... The Redskins' Terry McLaurin from Ohio State, 125 yards and a touchdown. He looks like a promising weapon for the Redskins' offense. Darius Geis suffered another injury. He's been hurt the last year or so, and they didn't know if he was going to be able to stick in there this year. Certainly not a good sign for him. Adrian Peterson was inactive this past week, and they're hoping to have him back next week. This was certainly a big game for the NFC East, and certainly we'll be looking at those standings moving ahead. But, Junie, what do you think ultimately this means for the Redskins, and where do you think they go from here? I, I, don't, I don't see them going up
0: much further than this. Like I said, divisional game, the familiarity that they have with the Eagles, uh, I can tell you just from you know, kind of keeping track of that division uh, in, the, in the past that you know, the Redskins have had the Eagles number here and there, and I just think this is one of those cases where they were just playing a divisional opponent tight. And I, like I said, they're going to be a bottom-tier team in the NFC, especially with how stacked this NFC is. So with that being said, I think that the Eagles are definitely going to be an NFC contender. I think they can compete with anybody in the NFC. But coming up next, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens had an explosive day in Miami on Sunday. We are going to see how good is Lamar Jackson. Is he a passing quarterback now? Does he have that capability to go to the next level? When we come back, we're going to discuss the Ravens and how good Lamar Jackson is going to be. Stick with us.
1: Welcome back to the Joe's on the Pros podcast. We will now get into Lamar Jackson, who had a very stellar performance on Sunday. And certainly, I don't think anybody thought that we would see the passing performance that he put on Sunday. He only had three carries. That's a huge stat that we didn't think we'd see all year for him. Only three carries. And he looked very good on Sunday. Junie, what do you think? I think he looked spectacular, Casey, to be honest with you.
0: He had completion percentage, which is crazy good. Crazy good. 17 of 20, 324 yards and five touchdowns. And like you said, only three rushing attempts for Lamar Jackson and six rushing yards. That's it. Uh, That's crazy compared to his first game that he played last year where he had 27 rushing attempts. 27. Uh, His improvement is is obvious. It's apparent. He's obviously been working on his game and even though it was against the Miami Dolphins, it still shows that he is progressing as a quarterback and that he can probably uh, take
1: that next step and become elite this season. The Baltimore Ravens offense certainly looks strong, putting on a point display of 59. Dropping of points on the Dolphins, 59-10 to 10 the score was in that game. They look strong overall. Mark Ingram, newly acquired running back, 107 yards and two touchdowns. That's what you want to see, a quarterback that can stand in there and throw it and put up numbers, and a running back that can stand in there and run and put up good numbers. And then
0: also Marquise, Hollywood Brown, coming out of
1: Oklahoma,
0: his first game. Four receptions for 141 yards and two touchdowns. And one of those touchdowns was an 83-yard bomb to him. He looked spectacular. He looked like he can be a huge threat going forward with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. And I'll tell you another thing that the Ravens looked really good is that offensive line. The last time we saw Lamar Jackson – he looked absolutely terrible, dismantled against the L.A. Chargers in that wild card game where he had only three completions going into the fourth quarter and also had three fumbles that game. Compared to now where he it seems like he has all day to pass, he's making his reads, he has a good running back with a good offensive line, more weapons, and that defense looked like it didn't even skip a beat. But should we... Overreact to this is Lamar Jackson now showing his colors or was it just a game against those terrible Miami Dolphins that kind of elevated his game what do you think Casey I'll
1: tell you what I was just about to get into that some stats right here to show how bad the Dolphins were on Sunday 12 to 31 in first downs the Dolphins only had 12 first downs the Ravens on the other hand 31 first downs. Not only that, they got out-possessioned in time of possession, 40-19. to 19. They only had the ball 19 minutes. That's just over a quarter of football, them having the ball. You can't win a game like that. You can't win any game, no matter who it is you're playing, with that kind of time of possession. 0-3 to three in the turnover battle. Can't win that, and only 10 points on the board. You're not going to beat anybody scoring 10 points on the board. There certainly was no Fitz magic this past Sunday. He didn't look very good either, and Josh Rosen got to play a little bit at the end, and he didn't look look good either but how could anybody have looked good on the Dolphins with a waxing like
0: that and also if you look at the total yards for each team the Baltimore Ravens accumulated 643 yards to only 200 yards for the Miami Dolphins all day that's absolutely terrible Casey so I go back to my question here is Lamar Jackson's stats elevated because he was playing the Miami Dolphins or was it that he has really progressed that much uh, to where he's taking his game to a whole new level
1: Definitely elevated. I mean, coming off of a season like he did last year, you thought you would see improvement, and we definitely saw improvement Sunday, which is always good to see. But we're talking about the Miami Dolphins here, man. This is a team that there were reports on coming out after this game that players' agents were – having all kinds of trade requests after the game. And certainly you never like to see that. The tank for Tua, the tank for Trevor, those are certainly in the cards now. People are not liking this Dolphins team. They don't look to show any promise at all. And from here, they have the Patriots next week, which is a really tough game for the Dolphins. So I really don't think the Dolphins are going to improve much. Lamar Jackson's stats were definitely inflated because of his matchup with the Dolphins, but I think he will improve as the season goes on. Maybe not as efficient as he was in this game, but he's definitely going to improve, and we'll see a better Lamar Jackson on the field throughout the year.
0: See, I'm going to have to disagree with you here, Casey, is that Lamar Jackson, if you look at his numbers, obviously, yes, his numbers are going to be elevated a little bit. But if you actually look at some of those passes that he's making, some of those passes down the middle in between the two safeties, uh, over over top the linebackers' heads, and then just dropping it into a breadbasket on some of those deep bombs, you can really see the difference in his accuracy this year. And last week I even said that I thought that NFL defense were going to kind of get a hold of what Lamar Jackson uh, was wanting wanting to do and get a feel for his tendencies. But I really saw some of those throws that he wasn't making last year. Some of the reads that he was making, uh, the improvement was very visible. And yes, it was the Miami Dolphins. But if you look at some of those plays, you can really see how
1: on the money some of those passes really are. Now, with that being said, the Ravens, they got a pretty favorable schedule next week. They play the Cardinals at home, which is another team that's not expected to be very good, a good QB matchup next week. Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson. I can't wait to see that one. That team certainly showed a little bit of a promise this Sunday too, getting a tie against the Lions, but you really want to see the scoreboard lit up in a game like that. So what do you think is going to come of that game next week? See, I just think that the Ravens defense is a lot better than
0: what the Lions threw at Kyler Murray. And do you know I actually don't know where that game is. Is that game in Baltimore or is it in, in, it's in Arizona? It's in uh Baltimore. Oh, it's in Baltimore. So even more uh for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think that they have a really clear shot. I'm probably going to give the Baltimore Ravens about a two uh, two and a half touchdown favorite to
1: beat the Arizona Cardinals this week. That's a pretty big matchup right there. We certainly think Lamar Jackson will improve as the season goes on. A tough matchup next week facing Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. We will now transition into Monday Night Football. That was certainly a good night of football last night. The Saints and the Texans, that really lit up the scoreboard to end the game, and that was a very shocking game to end the way it did. Junie, what do you think the Saints are thinking after a game last night where they just escaped with a win? I got to tell you
0: what, Casey, before I kind of get into what the Saints are going into, Casey and I were watching that game in our living room last night, and I couldn't have been more happy to have been a viewer of that game, the first Monday night game. It lived up to all the hype. Starting with Deshaun Watson with 50 seconds left. 50 seconds, he's down by 6 points, 27-21. to He throws a 38-yard bomb on the first play to DeAndre Hopkins, followed by a 37-yard touchdown bomb to Kenny Stills in order to tie the game. Then that call where the field goal rusher ran into the kicker after he missed the field goal to win the game, got called back, and he ended up making it, giving them the lead back. Then you see Drew Brees. And I you know how I feel about Drew Brees. I think he's one of the top five greatest quarterbacks of all time. Arguably could be the up there for first, in my opinion. But Dude, with 37 seconds left, he just drove that ball down the field, setting up his kicker for the winning 58 yard field goal with two seconds left. I gotta say, that was a crazy game. Both teams looked really good coming out of the gate on opening night on Monday Night Football. So, to answer your question about the Saints, where do the Saints go from here? They just gotta stick to that plan, man. They have. Ball players on the defensive side of the field. They got Cam Jordan obviously in there in the rush. Uh, they got on offensive side. Alvin Kamara looked absolutely amazing with 97 yards on only 13 carries, averaging about 7.5 yards a carry. Uh, 72 yards receiving on seven receptions. Michael Thomas also picking up where he came off uh, last year with 10 receptions, 123 yards. So that offense is looking good. That defense is also looking like a stellar. Uh, defense as well and I just think that the Saints have one of the best rosters in the league and they just need to keep keep sticking to what they're doing
1: and they are going to be just fine now on the other side of that game the Texans they start out 0-1 and they go into a game next week where they play the Jaguars in a huge divisional matchup for two teams that did not think they were going to start the season 0-1, Nick Foles out indefinitely with a broken collarbone. That's not good for the Jaguars. You think the Texans should be able to pick that win up with a backup quarterback in Jacksonville next week. That'll be a tough division matchup. But other than that, the Saints have a huge, huge NFC matchup next week, taking on the Rams. And let's talk about that game a little bit. Now, the Rams and the Saints have a pretty decent rival history. We all know what happened in the NFC championship game, and we'll get into that a little bit. But last year, the Saints beat beat the Rams in the regular season and then the Rams beat the Saints in the playoffs. So what do you think ultimately is the turnout of this game?
0: See, I think that the fact that it's in L.A. is going to be huge for the L.A. Rams. I actually have the Rams winning this game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, the Saints typically don't play well on the road, especially in the outdoor elements, but it is L.A. Obviously, the temperature is going to be mid seventy, something like that, as long as there isn't any rain or any kind of precipitation going on. During the time of the game, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close, but I think being at home, uh, the home opener for the defending NFC champions, I think that they're going to come out with a slim win. Uh, but in the long run, and you're not going to like it when I hear this because, I, guys, Casey is a huge Rams fan. I think that the Saints are going to end up being the better team in the long run in the NFC. I just think that they have a more balanced roster, a veteran QB who has been there in the big moments, who has shown that he can make the big plays in those moments, and I know they have a better defense
1: than the Rams. Goodness, that's, that's a hot take right there. I don't know how to react to that. With that being said, I think the Rams showed some promise on Sunday. They had a big win over the Panthers. But let's look at the Saints' upcoming schedule. The Saints' upcoming schedule is not favorable for them at all. After they go at Rams next Sunday, they have at Seahawks the Sunday after that, and then the Cowboys at home the Sunday after that. Now, those are th- certainly three playoff contenders that they play back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And with that being said, the Saints – They have a very tough schedule coming up, but the Texans, on the other hand, they have a pretty favorable schedule coming up. They play the Jaguars at home, which you think they can win. They play at Chargers, which will be a tough game, and then they got the Panthers and the Falcons at home, two teams that didn't look very good, so they're hoping they can string together a few more wins in that, but what do you think is a big game that's going to be on the schedule next week that everybody's going to be looking at?
0: I definitely think going back to the Rams-Saints game, it's easily going to be the game of the week. It's a rematch of the NFC Championship, obviously with that controversial call that cost the Saints a trip to the Super Bowl. I got to tell you, Casey, that I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think there's a lot of hard feelings on both sides. I think that the Rams are sick and tired of people saying that they didn't deserve to be in the Super Bowl. And I think that the Saints are obviously still angry that the fact that they kind of got Ripped off in the fact that they didn't get that obvious call that probably would have sent them to the Super Bowl. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, easily two of the top heavy uh, contenders in the NFC going head to head in week two. I definitely think that's the game to watch. And I don't see you
1: disagreeing with me on that one. I definitely agree with that. That's the hugest game of the weekend, next weekend in the NFL. Now, we move on to a huge topic that we're about to get into our next segment, which is overtime. The Lions and the Cardinals tied this past Sunday, and we're going to get into that coming up next.
0: So it was a definitely a shaky start for Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals. It's his first game of the regular season here in the NFL. And I got to tell you, Casey, it has to be bittersweet for you know him to struggle as much as he did in the first three quarters. And then the Arizona Cardinals make a crazy comeback, scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter only to go to overtime and tie with the Detroit Lions and Matthew Stafford and company. So, Casey, with that being said, another tie in Week 1. Last year we had the Steelers and Browns tie in Week 1, and we also had a couple other ties last year as well. Is this a trend that the NFL wants
1: to keep setting, or should overtime rules be changed? They obviously want to keep setting it that way because they haven't changed anything in the past couple years, and I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. You can't have that tie on the schedule with so many teams that are fighting for playoff spots, so many teams that are hunting to get in, like the Steelers last year, they finished nine six and one. Had they not tied and gotten that victory, maybe later in overtime, that might have been a game changer for them all season. Oh, know? it,
0: it would have been a game changer because the Baltimore Ravens went ten and six. They had the tiebreaker over the Baltimore Ravens, and that tie in Week One cost them a chance to make the playoffs last year. So I definitely agree with you there, Casey. But here's the deal. What do you think the reasoning is? Because obviously we are seeing ties come year in and year out for the last, you know, what would you say, three or four years? And it's just been a trend that's been happening recently. But what do you think the problem is? Because the NFL used to not have this problem. You'd have a tie maybe, what, once in a a decade? And now we're having multiple in each season. What do you think is the problem, and why are these ties occurring so
1: frequently? I think it's because they're too scared to make a major rule change, and the reason I think that is is because they don't want to be like college football. College football has such a unique overtime in that it's not even like a real game starting again. You start from the 25, and you take shots at the end zone until someone stops somebody, and that's exciting, and that's pretty interesting, but I don't think that's a good solve for overtime. I think the NFL, what they've done is they've tried to make it different a little bit in that if the first team goes down and scores a field goal the other team still has a chance but if you score a touchdown they have no chance I just think there's too much discrepancy there you can't have that and they they totally got to revamp overtime they got to make it to where you can at least go to two overtimes one overtime is just not enough for two teams that are neck and neck like the Lions and the Cardinals were this week you can't have that you got to have a set winner it makes the game more exciting you're going to have more viewers and just overall it's better for the league because you don't have fans whining and complaining about ties a tie is ugly for a team's record it makes or breaks their year based on playoff seedings like we saw last year with the Steelers like we discussed and I just I don't think it's a good look for the NFL they have to discuss this and a rule change has to happen in the near future
0: Casey I can see where you're coming from as well but it's what is the solution are they going to go back to the sudden death rules whoever gets the ball first is going to have an you know basically an 80 percent chance to win the game you know when, when that was going on, it just seemed like, oh, well, the game is decided on a coin flip. And a lot of people still think that's the same problem because the whole Kansas City-New uh, England AFC Championship game last year, the Patriots got the ball first, and they felt like, wow, what if you know Patrick Mahomes had an opportunity to do that? What do you, what do you think about that, Casey? Do you think that they should go back to the sudden death rule, or do you think that maybe uh, there should be a rebuttal process just added into the overtime system we have now?
1: What I think you gotta do is—is is I think at this point everybody's complaining about not getting a chance and all this, and that's fine. And I think how you nip that in the bud is—is is what you do is—is is you give each team a chance to be on offense and defense, so you can see what they're really made of. But you gotta expand it too. You gotta have two overtimes. You gotta have one overtime, and if it's not solved after the first one, you gotta have a second overtime. But I think the sudden death should be out of it. I think if one team scores, another team has the chance. But that's all you can go. I don't think you make it like college. I don't like that how you're at the 25 I don't like that but I think you got to make it still kind of keep some of the same aspects that it is now but just give the team more of another chance just because I think that'd be better for the game and see I was
0: thinking about this similar to what you were thinking Casey but here here's kind of my solution to this problem that I've kind of come up with that that I think that the NFL should kind of follow through with so here's here's my new overtime rules So, the first team that gets the ball, if they score a touchdown, the other team will get a chance to rebuttal. If they don't score a touchdown and they don't get it, then obviously the team that had previously got it is the winner would kind of solve that issue. But let's say that they both score touchdowns, and let's say they both play the period and it's still a tie, whether or not they scored or not. I think then... If that happens in what would be considered a tie in modern-day football, then it goes into a sudden-death situation in a new overtime. What would you think about that, Casey?
1: That's very interesting, that's a very valid point because I think in that aspect, you'd have the best of both worlds. You know, everybody gets a chance, and then you got the sudden death. I think in terms of most exciting and what the fans want to see, I think your overtime— would definitely fix that problem. But then the problem you have with that is is the teams are still getting another chance, but then it's sudden death, and you don't have a chance when still you maybe could have a chance. So there's, I think ultimately there's always going to be somebody that's losing on this. There's ultimately going to be somebody that's always mad, and it's just going to be one of those problems that's probably never going to be solved but on the other hand, you know, the NCAA seems to have it solved with their overtime. So in the NFL, it's just one of those rule changes everyone's always going to complain about. And I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the upcoming years. Why don't you think that the NCAA's rules that they have in college football, why don't you think that that would work in the NFL? I just think you take too many aspects out of the game. It's not fair to not have a kickoff to start a quarter, I don't think, first of all. If you're going into overtime, there should always be a kickoff. Whether You're basically starting another game from my point of view when you're starting overtime so you should definitely have a kickoff because there's a coin toss and all that in the NFL so you should definitely have a kickoff you can't just set them at the 25 I think that's too easy when defenses have short field it's a lot more difficult for them and that aspect I think you're almost making it like a passing tournament like that because there's going to be a lot of passing inside the 25 and such like that so I don't think you can go that far I think it's exciting because NCAA is more high scoring than NFL in a lot of ways so I think that works for the NCAA but I don't think that's going to work for the NFL, there's too many elements being taken out of the game. And I think the pure better team in all aspects, the way to see that is to have a kickoff and a full another game in overtime rather than just doing that
0: all great things, all great things coming from you, Casey, and I love hearing your opinion about this because you do watch a lot more college football than I do, and you do like to keep up with college sports because you are a big college sports fan as well. As a pros, guys, like me, I am just a professional sports guy. I don't really care for college, Uh, so it's always great to hear your opinion about that, and hopefully the NFL does come to a solution for this because I don't think anybody likes to see ties. Whether it's your team or not, it's just not good for the league, and especially even though this was against two teams that we don't expect to be in contention for the playoffs. It has happened in the past where two teams that are in contention for the playoffs uh, have this issue. Obviously, we saw that with the Steelers last season. So let's get into our last segment here, and this is going to be a weekly segment that we're going to do every single week, and it is where I give my top 10 NFL team rankings. We are calling it Riddle Rankings. So here, let's kick it off first. I am going at number 10 with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and a lot of people are going to hate me on this because they're going to be like, you are a biased Steelers fan. Well, guys, I got to tell you what I don't care what you think because I think that this team is way too talented. The offensive line is too good. These young receivers are also great. Ben Roethlisberger still has a few more years left, and James Conner coming out of the running back uh, is going to still have a great season. I think this offense is ready to explode, and we're just going to have to see where they come in the remaining of the weeks. Their defense, on the other hand, is also young. A lot of young talent. Just wait till this group comes together, and I guarantee you by the end of the season we are going to be seeing a lot better performance than we did in week one. Coming in at number nine, I'm going with the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson looked absolutely great. His offensive line still needs a lot of work. They still have a lot of talent there on that offensive line. They drafted two guys. They got another one in free agency. And it's just going to take, I think, a couple weeks for that offensive line to come into fruition and start protecting Deshaun Watson a little bit more. He got sacked six times, but still under duress, under all that pressure. He looked magnificent. DeAndre Hopkins looked great. Kenny Stills was a great pickup. And Will Fuller came back looking like he is still the man and that That injury is not going to hold him back in the slightest. So I got the Texans at number nine. Coming in at number eight, I have the Green Bay Packers, a surprise team that I had in this top 10, but that defense looked great. I think that uh, Jair Alexander, a corner that's out of Louisville, a guy that I grew up watching, He is a difference maker in that secondary, and I just think that that entire Packers defense holding the Bears at home to three points really showed the improvement that they had, Um, and that offense is obviously going to get a lot better. Aaron Rodgers is easily a top-three quarterback in the NFL, and they are going to be just fine with that talented defense. Coming in at number 7, I have the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, we got into it earlier about how great the Dallas Cowboys look. That defense is picking right where they left off last year. looking like they're going to be in the top 5, top 10 defense, somewhere in that range. Um, And they looked really good and Dak Prescott is showing why he deserves to get paid. I am one person that at first did not think that he deserved to get paid, Casey, but now he is really trying to prove me wrong and obviously Jerry Jones is getting a front row seat to Dak Prescott trying to get his money. So I got the Dallas Cowboys coming at number 7. Number 6, right above the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East, I have the Philadelphia Eagles with Wentz coming back and him playing as well as he did and only continuing to get better, I think he's going to be at an MVP level and that Philadelphia team is loaded from top to bottom. Easily one of the most well rounded teams, and I have them coming in at number six. At number five, they didn't play the best game, and they still have a few pieces missing, such as Derwin James and Melvin Gordon. But I have the Los Angeles Chargers coming in at number five. This team is another one of those teams on both sides of the ball. They are absolutely stacked. They have the weapons to do it. Phillip Rivers is, God, Phillip Rivers. I just think that it's got to be his time eventually. So I think that they are going to have another good season. Their roster is too good. Um, I think the overall best team in the NFL from top to bottom is the New Orleans Saints. I have them coming in at number 4. Drew Brees in that offense kind of started off with a slow start with that early interception there against the Houston Texans in the red zone. Uh, But after that, they looked absolutely amazing. Alvin Kamara is getting better and better every year. He is my preseason pick for NFL MVP. He is looking like an absolute stud out there and not missing a step with Mark Ingram being in Baltimore now. And Michael Thomas is just showing why he is a top five receiver in this game. Just giving Drew Brees at age 40, another superstar target to throw to. Coming in at number three, I have Casey's Rams. They didn't look as great as I wanted them to in week one, but you got to think, guys, they were traveling all the way from California all the way to the East Coast. A three-hour time difference there. Jared Goff on the first week didn't look as impressive uh, as I would like it to see him and the progressions that I would want to see him making in, this, in his fourth year. Uh, but yes, that roster is awesome. They had the number one offense last year and it obviously seemed like their running game was clicking and the three-headed monster of woods cup and cooks really showed that the rams offense is just going to keep cooking this year coming in at number two i had the kansas city chiefs patrick mahomes looked great it looked like he was not skipping a beat no sophomore slump here he made that jacksonville jaguars defense that has been Easily one of the best defenses in football for the last two years. Uh, Look non-existent. I think the Kansas City Chiefs with an improved defense, like I said last week with Tyron Matthew, is going to keep them in contention. Uh, coming in at number 1, this is no surprise, guys. It is the defending champion, New England Patriots. Their defense looked like the best defense I have seen coming out of New England since the 2007-16-0 season. Yes, I said it, ladies and gentlemen. That defense is that elite. They got guys everywhere. They got playmakers everywhere, and they made my Pittsburgh Steelers look terrible and I can't it, it hurts me to say this because I disgust the New England Patriots they absolutely disgust me I can't stand Bill Belichick and Tom Brady they are literally the epitome of evil when it comes to the National Football League but yes they are number one Tom Brady didn't skip a beat his new receivers are looking absolutely great and I got to tell you Casey with the addition of AB it is only going to get worse so the Patriots top off Riddles rankings this week as the number one team in performance professional football
1: now out of those 10 teams Junior, I gotta ask who is your team that you think is most likely to drop out in the coming weeks and who is your team out of those 10 that you think is most likely to rise in the coming weeks
0: I think that the one team, uh, well, actually I have two teams that I think that could drop off, and that is the uh, Los Angeles Chargers and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, if the Pittsburgh Steelers do not get their act together this week at home against Seattle, they will definitely be dropping out of my top 10 and showing me that they need a lot more improvement on this season. Um, and then, obviously, the Los Angeles Chargers, they had a little bit of a rough, rough start. They had a big lead against the Colts at home, um, but... I just like I said, that talent is there. Uh, Derwin James not being there that really affects that defense. I think when he gets back there, that defense is going to go to a whole nother level. A, you know, a lot of quarterbacks in this league are going to be scared of that defense because Derwin James is a monster. And if Melvin Gordon ends up coming back from his holdout, I just think that holds uh, another level. Uh, with Austin Eckler there in that backfield, they could split some carries and that could just add another element to that offense. But I think they're also a team that could get lost in the
1: mix and fall out of that top ten, even though I had them at number 5. You heard it here, the Riddle rankings. You can count on that every week on the Joes on the Pros podcast. A great segment from the man Junie Riddle himself. We will wrap up our second episode now of the Joes on the Pros podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Certainly a little bit different than our predictions last week, and we will come back next week with more topics in today's pro sports. Also, guys, we are now setting up a Twitter account
0: that you can go follow us at, at Joe's on the pros. Uh, You can follow us, and we will start getting updates on game days, telling you what we think if we're amazed by something you want to follow us to get all the latest update of what we're thinking at that time and you can even shoot us your opinion and maybe you could make the show as well uh, from your feedback so yes follow us on twitter and this is junie riddle and casey warner here on the joes on the pros podcast